Good to see you guys. What an honor to get to preach God's word tonight with you. If you take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, focusing on aspects of the Christmas story. Um, I, I get the great privilege of being on the teaching team. My name is Joshua Kagan. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, I look forward to that soon. Um, I get to follow up from DJ and Dan preaching on this Come to Bethlehem as we've preached all year long on what it looks like to come with me, Jesus saying those words, come follow me, come be with me, come with me as I come and fulfill uh, my purpose, speaking of Jesus, on earth, we are supposed to emulate Christ, right? And so we've been preaching that all year long and, and just recently in this Bethlehem series, getting to see how Joseph walked with God and had quite the call on his life to see how Mary walked with God and had quite the call on her life uh, but tonight we're going to look at some different individuals. I'm curious, I'm curious from you guys, what, if, when I say, who are your heroes of the faith, when I say heroes of the faith, or when I say um, people who you look up to in the Bible most, or people who have inspired you the most, or stories that have inspired you the most, people you want to emulate the most um, in the Bible, what are some of the first names that come to mind? Just shout it out. We're not going to pass around a microphone. Esther. Esther. Paul. Yeah, Paul. Joseph, John. Ruth, David. Moses. Moses. Awesome. Abraham. Joseph. These are pretty powerhouse names right here. But you all failed. The answer was Jesus. The answer was Jesus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Uh, because most of the time, uh, most of us Christians have people in the Bible, as we should, uh, that we look up to, that we admire, that we admire some of their strengths, some of their weaknesses. We can empathize with some of their weaknesses, with some of their failures, with some of the things in life that they've gone through. Uh, you name it. There's a million reasons why God wrote this story in humanity for the last who knows how many thousands of years that give us inspiration and build our faith, right? For the, the crowd of witnesses that have gone before us, Hebrews chapter 11, they give us faith, they inspire us. But I want to look at two people that you guys didn't say. You didn't say their names tonight. I'm very surprised. Actually, I'm not surprised at all because nobody's ever said their names. <laughs> um, this is a unique story that I love, and these are two of my heroes. I think if I would have answered that question that I just asked you guys um, you know, a couple of years ago, I would, have, I would have said a lot of the same answers, and truly those people that you guys mentioned are, are a, big, a big part of forming my faith and creating a passion in me to, to pursue Jesus the same way. But these two people, uh, I've never heard a sermon preached about them. I've never heard anybody talk about them. I've never heard their names mentioned in the Christmas story. Um, literally, I'd, I'm curious if you guys have ever heard their names before. But here we are, about 12, 13, 14 verses, in Luke chapter 2 of all chapters, the Christmas story chapter book of the whole Bible. And there's these two people in there that are so obscure, and they only have a couple verses mentioned about them. And I want to look tonight on... Uh, on their lives, and I, and I want to beg Holy Spirit to give us some revelation on these two people who I'm going to kind of nickname Average Joe 
and average Jane. Average Joe and average James. Nobody knows their name. You've never had a sermon preached about them. You may have never heard of them before. Average Joe and average Jane and what God's hand looked like on their lives. Let me say a quick prayer and then we're gonna dive into this. Father, thank you so, so, so much for your love for us. Especially, especially demonstrated as you became flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus. And then laid down your life on our behalf to reconcile all men to yourself, to pay for all sin, to reconcile all things to yourself through Jesus. And so Jesus, we exalt and praise and worship you tonight. Heavenly Father, we exalt and praise and worship you tonight. Holy Spirit, we exalt and praise and worship you tonight because we do not exist without you. And nor does peace or love or joy or righteousness or relationship with you, God, nothing exists if Jesus didn't do what he did and if he wasn't who he was. And so we magnify Jesus and we thank you uh, for this opportunity to dive into your word. I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. So I've got some challenges here as we read these stories of these two individuals and I wanna challenge us as, as Holy Spirit's just challenged me and I, uh, well, let's just dive in. Luke chapter two, verse 25 is where we're gonna start. Luke, chap Luke chapter two, verse 25. And behold, all right, let's pause right there. And behold, there was a man. When, when God writes a book about you, or maybe just a couple verses about you, long when we're past, I hope when he writes a book about me or, or even mentions me in a little phrase somewhere, somebody remembers my name, I can only pray that it starts, and behold. <laughs> Come on, we miss this. I wanna draw attention to, to what God puts his hand on, the insignificant people of the world, you and me. And I don't mean to put you down, I don't mean to put myself down in some, in some evil way as far as insignificance goes because I know we are significant to Christ. But you know what I'm talking about. These people aren't David, they aren't Paul, they aren't the people that we, we, we wrap like 90% of our sermons around. They're not Jesus, they're not, they're not Daniel. I mean, you, you name the people, the Esthers. I mean the people who just, the champions of the world. Even the crazy ones like Samson, who was like royal mess up, but like God's like, oh, I'm gonna use you, you're awesome and you're strong and, all right? We, we think of these people and rarely does the intro to their name start with, and behold. And literally that Greek word means, come and look at this. Oh God, please let that be the intro to my biography when you write it, Lord. <laughs> And behold, would that sit on us with some conviction tonight? When our life is done, will people tell your story and say, oh, you've got to look at this guy. You've got to see this woman. Why? Okay, here we go. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. 
okay, nothing significant about what he did, nothing significant necessarily. It doesn't say he's a priest. It doesn't say that he's a king. It doesn't say most of the people who are intro to us in the Bible are usually, usually a priest, usually, usually a prophet, usually a king, usually a, an ambassador for some nation, usually a, a mayor or a, or a governor of a nation, usually a prince or a princess. I mean, you name it. Most people have some kind of role in society. And here's just a dude, just a dude. And behold, it's just Simeon. <laughs> we don't know anything else about him. God doesn't find his value in what Simeon does or in his title or in the incredible amount of gifts that God has given him. Before his birth, the Holy Spirit filled him and in the womb, nothing. It's just Simeon. Behold, Simeon. Behold, Dan. Behold, Josh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just. This man was just. I want to draw our attention back to what the Holy Spirit honors. What God is looking for. Because oftentimes we think we have to accomplish some amazing feat. Or maybe we even have to, even if we don't accomplish some amazing feat like, like Daniel or David or, or Esther and we save whole nations, when you really read the Bible from front to back, and I'm going to mention a, a verse in the Old Testament that's going to summarize this, but, but this is really who you see God's hand on, the people who just do what's right. It says he's just. He's just. A man who was just, he was righteous, it means. It means he, was, he, he, he stood up to God. In the, he was aligned with God. God says, this is a good guy. He's just a man of character. He just does what's right. And it's not out of selfish ambition or self-righteousness like a lot, of the, a lot of the Pharisees. I mean, this guy's in Jerusalem. This guy is around the temple. This guy's around all the biggest religious leaders of the day. It says he's in Jerusalem. And then God says, He's a just man. He just does what's right. He doesn't cut corners on his business. He doesn't flip people off going down the highway. He doesn't cut corners on his taxes. He gives a little extra to the lady at Home Depot who's asking for money. He's just, he's just a good guy. He's aligned with my heart. He knows how to love. And I'm not... I'm not saying any one of those actions in various circumstances aren't appropriate. <laughs> I, I don't give money to everybody, I see, right? It's, it's, a, it's an obedience to the Holy Spirit, I get it. But he's just right with God. His heart's pure, it says innocence. The word means innocence. He's just innocent before God, he's just blameless. He's just a good guy, and I, I think a lot of times we think as Christians, man, if I could just accomplish, or if I could just be, or if I could just have a name, and God's like, if you could just do what's right. <laughs> Let's start there. Let's start with just, just doing what's right. Where did we ever lose that? Where did we ever lose the simplicity of like, let's, let's just be good. <laughs> you were saved for good works. I, I'm not saying you are saved by good works. I know it's Christ's righteousness in you. 
I know, I know you're gonna get to heaven someday and God's not gonna remember any of your sins because Jesus wiped them all away. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about the hand and favor and blessing of God is on people who do what's right. They live in obedience. And this is how you know that they love me. They obey my commands, Jesus said. Would we never forget the simplicity of what God requires of us? Hey, how about be a good person? <laughs> how about pick up trash in the Walmart parking lot on your way? <laughs> like, just, let's just be just. Would it, would it be incredible if God's writing a biography and on our tombstone he just says, come look at this man, come look at this woman. He was a good man. Before me, he did what was right. He kept his heart pure and his motives right. He stayed aligned with me and everything that I love. He was just. A call for the average Joe. Let's align ourselves with Christ's righteousness. Amen? Amen? Second word. Simeon, his name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. He was devout. He was devoted. This word means um, God-fearing aggressively laying hold of the sacred. He was just a devout man. He just prayed all the time. He just went to church all the time. He just read his Bible, not, not, out, of, not out of being forced to, but just because he was devoted to God and he loved him. Because love, love yields devotion. It really does. And you know what people love because they're devoted to it. I'm not here to judge you or your motives. Nobody else is either. God be the judge of my motives. But look at my life and see what I'm devoted to. Am I devoted to my wife, really? Am I devoted to my children? Am I devoted to God? Do I fear God? Am I devoted to him in my business? Would people be able to say about you if they were writing your eulogy tomorrow, if your coworker got up to write your eulogy, would they say, come look at this one? She's just, she was so good. And she was devoted to God. I mean, the simplest things, the simplest thing, and I don't mean simple like easy, but, but in love, devotion is simple. In love, devotion is something we are, not something we have to rigorously do to acquire some favor from God, right? When I love my spouse, I, I am devoted to her because I love her. And, and sometimes it's difficult and sometimes to keep doing the date night every week and come up with a new creative idea every time and come up with a new thing to write in my little love note every week to her. Yeah, it's, it becomes difficult sometimes. I'm trying to stay creative and I'm trying to pursue her. But love motivates devotion and it's, and it's beautiful. And I wouldn't have it any other way. God looks at Simeon the average Joe, he says, man, he's upright and he's devoted to me. And nobody can question that. Devoted. And then it goes into this. He's just, he's devout, and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. I love that. Let's see. Yes. Look at this. The consolation of Israel. Tell me what you see about those two words, consolation and Israel. Capital. Consolation 
comfort, peace, joy, gladness, goodness, being set free, hope. The word consolation is not a thing, it's a person. It's a person. Simeon knew, Simeon knew Jesus, peace, release, freedom is a person. It's not some religious thing and it's not some political thing. Simeon was waiting for the consolation, diligently waiting. Well, how long? Well, I don't know. It doesn't tell us how old he was. He just kept doing what's right, stayed devoted to God no matter what, and he was waiting, anticipating, strategically anticipating, waiting for God to arrive, waiting for this peace, this freedom for Israel waiting for the love of God to touch his people. And it says the consolation of Israel. He's not waiting for himself. Oh God, would you hurry up and come so I can get out of this crazy place? My heart's been there. He's not concerned about himself. He's concerned about God's people. He's concerned about God's bride. This dude is overwhelmed with true love for God and his people. This isn't selfish. So many of us can't wait for Jesus to return so we can just get out of our own situation. Just so we can get out of whatever it is. Just so we can finally find whatever it is. If we really tested our heart and motives, are you excited for Jesus to come back? Because it's gonna be a cool release for you, cool get out of jail free card for you, or can you really not wait to see Jesus? And can you really not wait for all of his people who are overwhelmed with real grief and real, uh, real bondage in this earth because we are detained to this earth. We are detained to bodies that decay. We are detained to governments that, that hurt right? We're, we're detained to, to the realities of earth. And I wish that God would come for his bride and he would set up his monarchy and set, set the world free. I can't wait for people to be free. I can't wait for his bride to be released. I can't wait for her to walk in the truth and the reality of our new bodies where there's no more tears and there's no more sadness and, and there's no more dying or decay because death is overcome. I can't wait to meet Jesus. Simeon couldn't wait to see Jesus. Here's the scary and sad part, relatively. It says he was in Jerusalem, and, and then later we're gonna read that he was around the temple area. There were a lot of people, religious people, around the temple area. This is the temple. This is Jerusalem. I, I can only presume on the numbers of people who were literally in that physical location where Simeon is, and they're doing things for God, and they're offering sacrifices, and they're singing to God, and they're, and they're worshiping God, and they're, and you name it, what are they, they're reading God's word. But this is really interesting. Read on with me. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. 
there is a difference between the Holy Spirit being upon you and the Holy Spirit being in you. I truly believe that. I think every believer has the Holy Spirit in them. But I also read this Bible and I see how we can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We can, we can in our pride, God says, I will give grace to the humble, but I will resist those who are proud. We can literally push away Holy Spirit and he can resist us. I think every believer has Holy Spirit, praise God. That's your, that's your inheritance, that's the, the seed of inheritance that you're gonna be in heaven with God. I don't know that every believer is like filled with the Holy Spirit, like Holy Spirit is upon them. Would, would people say about you in your, in your eulogy, the Holy Spirit was on that guy. The Holy Spirit was all over that lady. Can you, did you watch their life? It's terrifying to me that we have the creator of the universe living in us and the world doesn't know it, see it, or feel it. But they did with Simeon. There was something different. There, he was in the midst of all these religious people. He was in the midst of Jerusalem. And it says, man, the Holy Spirit was on this guy. Like there's, There is something God-like oozing from this dude. Love passion, power, everything that Holy Spirit is, man, Holy Spirit was on him. And I think Holy Spirit can only truly fill, come on, permeate through people who are just, devout, in love with Jesus and his people. Holy Spirit will come on that and honor that. And he does right here in verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Come on, he's got an intimate relationship with Holy Spirit. He hears his voice. Holy Spirit's like, you're my best friend. Let me tell you something cool. I want that so bad. I want Holy Spirit to treat me. It doesn't say Holy Spirit did that to anybody else. There's priests who had been serving God in the temple for, for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, offering sacrifices, you name it washing their hands, cleansing themselves, all the stuff we watch, the, watch Jesus encounter with these Pharisees. They're doing all these right things and we're fasting twice a week. You name it, all the religious duties, all the things. But Holy Spirit only spoke to this one dude. <laughs> and Holy Spirit said, he revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He said, Holy Spirit says, hey, you know that one thing you want more than anything in the world? I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. You know that one thing your heart most desires? You're gonna see him. All these other people around here in, in the temple making their offerings and their sacrifices, that's actually not their heart's desire. I wish it was. I wish, I wish they knew the consolation of Israel was a person. I wish they knew. I wish they longed for God the way you did, Simeon, Mr. Average Joe. And just honor him with your life. Just walk with him simply. You long for Jesus and Holy Spirit says, okay, I'm gonna let you see his face and touch him. It's revealed to him, verse 26, that he's not gonna see death before he's seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Holy Spirit into the temple. This is how we know he was in the temple area. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God. 
So Joseph and Mary are bringing Jesus to the temple, which is what you're supposed to do with your firstborn son and dedicate him to God, which is part of the law, and they're bringing him to the temple. And we only know of one other human who encountered Jesus in the whole temple area. All the religious people, all the people doing the good religious things, all the people making the sacrifices, making the tithes and the offerings, and Jesus reveals himself to the one who wanted him. Who just said, Jesus, all I want is you. All I know is you. You're the peace. You're the rescue. You're the freedom for Israel, and Israel needs you. He had a compassion and a genuine love for Israel. Pharisees had a love for themselves and a love for their status and a love for how they were going to get off in life better than other people. I mean, you name all the different things we, we put our, our faith in. Simeon had his faith that he would just get to see Jesus. And listen to this. This is awesome. He took him up in his arms, verse 28. He blessed God and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Hallelujah. Salvation is in none other than Jesus Christ. Is in none other than Jesus Christ. Israel to this day, Orthodox Jews are waiting around for the consolation. They're waiting around for the Messiah. And God's like, he already came. He was a person. This is not political freedom. It's not religious liberties. It's a person who died on your behalf, who can set you free and make you intimately acquainted with God. It's a person. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon says, oh God, I can die now. This is all that I ever lived for. I can die now in peace because this is all I ever lived for. Jesus, more of Jesus, waiting for Jesus. I have nothing else in this life to live for than more and 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 more of Jesus. And when I die, after seeing Jesus, I'll get to heaven and he's just gonna be a familiar face because I sought his face with all my heart. I loved him with everything I had. He said, those who seek me will find me if they search for me with their whole heart. Average Joe walks uprightly, devoted to God, loves God and his people. And here he is saying, now I've seen everything that I've longed for. Jesus, you can let me go. I've seen your face. And he blesses God first. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant. In verse 29, so he blesses God first. This is how you know, this is how you know uh, a good-hearted man. Like he'll bless God before he blesses people. He'll seek God before he honors people. Like the first priority all the time is just God, Jesus, Jesus, all the time in his life. So he blesses God first. And then he turns in verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at the things which were spoken of him, speaking of Simeon. 34, when Simeon blessed them, and said to Mary, now he's blessing Joseph and Mary, his mother. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that 
the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So Simeon gets to be the first person uh, in, one, in one sense to prophesy over Jesus. First person to ever prophesy over Jesus, to ever bless God in Jesus' presence and bless his parents. I mean, Simeon gets the honor of a lifetime because he's just a really good dude who is devoted to God, wanted nothing but Jesus, loved God and his people well, and waited. My challenge to the average Joes of the room. Some of you, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say that we're all gonna be average Joes. Some of you guys, God has called you to be governors and kings and the next Taylor Swift. May God bless you in that because it's a real anointing. I'm serious, I don't mean to put that down. But, but we, we look at these people in the Bible and we're like, oh, David. And it's like, there was one David, like one really kind of like dude who accomplished a lot and got his name mentioned a lot in the Bible, like for every like 500 years, it's like a really huge personality in the Bible. 99% of the people who honored God and carried on the kingdom of heaven were just average Joes and average Janes who did what's right, stayed devoted to God, loved God and his people, dwelt with the Holy Spirit, very sensitive of the Holy Spirit, wanted nothing more than Jesus. Would we be these people that God could write this about and would honor with such a great honor, like something like this? And would that be enough for you? Would that be enough for you, Joshua? If you waited your whole life and nothing really significant happened and you never really got super rich or really famous or drove that really cool car or I don't know, whatever our things are, but you just got really close with Jesus. Is that enough? Is that what our heart longs for? If it's not, no condemnation, but may Holy Spirit draw us into that yearning because that's all that's worth living for and nothing in this world will you take with you to heaven but your relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Nothing. So Simeon gets this really awesome, awesome opportunity and I encourage you guys and us guys as the average Joes, now we're gonna look really quick at an average Jane. All right, we gotta have an average Joe and I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna be gender uh, holistic. Average Joe, average Jane. You ready for average Jane? Here we go. That was Joe, really good dude. Just loved God. Now we come to verse 36 in the Christmas story. Luke chapter two. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess. All right? This is all that it says about Anna so far. She's a prophetess. All right? Here's our average Jane. What is a prophetess? Somebody have an answer? Let's, let's throw that one out there. What's a prophetess? Sorry if we don't have a, do you have a microphone? Yes, we can do a microphone. Does anybody know or have clues or ideas what a prophetess is? kind of a weird word we don't run into very often in the Bible. Maybe that's, maybe that's too much. Maybe that's too scary to answer that. <laughs> I don't want to put anybody on the spot. We do have an answer. Um, I would just say somebody who hears God's voice and speaks yeah. it out. Yeah. That's perfect. I love to listen to God's voice. Average Jane. 
My whole longing in life is to listen to God's voice and speak for him and speak on his behalf because I love him so much. And I can't wait to hear his voice. So I spend a lot of my passions and pursuits seeking his voice and longing for his voice. You remember when Paul is teaching the church in Corinth and he's teaching on love and he's teaching on the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13. Then in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, oh, I wish you would desire this more than anything. What did he say? To prophesy. Well, that's kind of weird. Josh, are we one of those like charismatic, super like Pentecostal churches? No, we just love Jesus a lot. And he, he wants us to hear his voice intimately, intimately. And Paul says, I wish that you all would prophesy. All that means is hear God's voice intimately and speak it to people who need to hear God's voice because maybe they can't. Because maybe their heart's not in a position. Maybe they're not seeking God. Or, or maybe it's just a season where God wants to speak through you and grant you the humility of speaking to somebody else and grant them the humility of hearing through somebody else because we realize that we need the church and we need each other. And this isn't just a solo game. This is about the church, Jesus' bride. So we need prophets. We need people to hear God's voice intimately and share them with us. And so here's your average Jane. She just listens to God's voice. She's probably one of those people on TikTok who's like, Jesus, Jesus. And you guys watch him like, oh, that's kind of cute. Here's Anna. She's just so in love with Jesus. Her defining marker. She hears his voice. She just loves him. Would that be our average Janes? They just hear God's voice and speak on his behalf. And then it says, the daughter of Fenuel, of the tribe of Asher. This is kind of a unique little side point, but Fenuel, um, uh, Mark Marble on our teaching team pointed out that Fenuel is like uh, the same word as, uh, I forget how it's pronounced, but when Jacob wrestled with God, you remember where Jacob wrestled with God all night long and said, I will not let go of you until you bless me? He named that spot where he wrestled with God a derivative of Fenuel. And that's the only other time we see it in the whole Bible. Like he's named after this place where they wrestled with God. And Anna, it's like her dad is like named after this wrestling with God. And I wonder how many Annas there's gonna be in the world because dad's wrestled with God. And so his daughter heard God's voice and his daughter knew how to see God and hear God and listen to God and touch God's face because a dad wrestled with God. I wonder how many Annas there's gonna be in the world. And I pray that would be my children and my daughters. It says the daughter of Phineal of the tribe of Asher. This is, this is crazy. We don't hear about the tribe of Asher like ever in the Bible, right? There's 12 tribes of Israel. They go through some crazy times where they're all separated and not Israel and they're the separated tribes and then they get hauled off to Babylon captivity because they're rebelling against God and are not listening to his voice and they don't love God and they're not obedient. All the things we're preaching against up here. And so they get hauled off and then we, we usually refer to Asher as the lost tribe of Asher. That's how it's referred to in, in, the, in the Bible, Bible world, right? In the Bible scholar world. But it's mentioned one little time here in the New Testament of the tribe of Asher, because you know what? I don't care what road you've gone down, what hell has come against you or what hell you've created in life. God hasn't forgotten you or your name. 
and God can redeem everything. The tribe of Asher was never forgotten. They may have been hauled off to Babylon, and they may have never been a, a, a legal uh, area of Israel ever again. But God remembers. God remembers. He gave, he gave them their name. He gave them their inheritance. And he can redeem it. Because God's good and he loves you. And I see that right here. The daughter of Phenuel, the tribe of Asher, she was of great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. Okay, a challenge for the average Janes. Listen to God's voice. Speak on behalf of God. Make that a high priority in your life and a longing and a desire to know God's heart. Also, she was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years. So a lot of scholars debate on whether she was a widow for 84 years or whether she was an 84-year-old widow. Either way, she's at least 84 years old, maybe up to 106 years old, and she has been widowed for a very long time. 84 years, maybe 60, 60 to 85 years. All I see in this story of the average Jane is a woman who was content just listening to the heart of God. She's very, she's older in age, at least 85, maybe 106, all right? Her husband died. We have no indication of any children. From the way, she, the way it talks about her dad, her dad's dead, her mom's dead, you talk about a life of just general tragedy. Meet average Jane. It doesn't say God killed her husband. It doesn't say Satan killed her dad. Life is just life. Life is just life. It's riveted with tragedy. It's riveted with pain. It's riveted with death. But here's a woman who just wanted to keep hearing God's voice. I didn't get to have the Disneyland, the, the, the Disney marriage that I always dreamed of because my husband died within seven years. Maybe, maybe like, like, uh, like Ruth and Naomi in the Old Testament. I mean, you remember, you remember Naomi? She has to move across, across nations because of famine so she's moving across nations because of a famine with her family uh, because they're dying of starvation. And so in the midst of starvation, she gets to a place where they can finally live and her husband dies. And then 10 years later, both of her sons die. And then famine starts again. I mean, you talk about a life just riveted with tragedy. And it doesn't say God's doing it. It doesn't say the devil's doing it. Don't, don't give the devil any glory in your life, please. You know why I love Job? Because in all of Job's tragedy, he's the story in the Bible that has the most tragic story in the whole Bible. And maybe some of you guys can relate. I cannot relate to Job. Maybe some of you can. He falls on his face, he worships God, and he says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He doesn't give the devil any credit. And a lot of us sit there and be like, how could you say that about God, Job? The devil was the one who killed all your kids. The devil was the one who stole all your money. It says right there. I'm not giving the devil any cred. 
I don't want the devil to have any glory. That's all he wants to steal from God. That's all he ever wanted to steal from God. God's sovereign. He says all things will work together for good. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadows of death, I have nothing to fear because he's with me. And I know that I don't live for this life. I'm a part of eternity. This life is a little blip. It's a little puff of air the Old Testament talks about, a little of smoke. And, and I get one opportunity to just give a quick offering to the Lord before I sit in his presence for the rest of eternity. It's not actually about this life. And I know grief is real. And I know pain is real. But it's also so minor and, and pales in comparison to the glory of Jesus Christ and eternity. That's what Paul says. All of the terrible things we're going to endure in this life, and we're going to endure very terrible things in this life, none of it, none of it compares to the beauty of Jesus. None of it compares to the beauty of heaven. None of it compares to the joy we're going to encounter. So I don't live for this life, and it hurts when I lose somebody. But this is not everything I am, and, and I'm going to see that person again, Lord willing. Here's the average Jane. She's kind of lost everything. All of her dreams shattered. She has no kids, no children that we know of. Riveted with tragedy. And I, and I pray in this challenge, not only would you seek the face of God with your whole heart and long to hear his voice, but would you, would you walk well through tragedy? Would you not waste tragedy? Because we're gonna see what she did with her tragic, terrible scenario that nobody, nobody in this room would ever shout, oh, my hero's Anna, I really want her life. Nobody wants her life. And maybe you've had a similar life. I don't know what brokenness you've been through. I don't know what losses you've encountered. But would this be our response? Listen to this. She did not depart from the temple, but she served God with fasting and prayer night and day. She said, you know what? I'm gonna go get the one thing my heart longs for more than anything. More than a new husband, because I could just get remarried. More than, more than, more than kids, because really I should try to, pers more than, more than anything, more than anything, more than everything. I just want God. I just want where perfect peace dwells. I just want where the true comfort is. I just want the Prince of Peace. I just want the Wonderful Counselor. I just want the, the Eternal Comforter. I just want the, the Infinite Lover. I just want the faithfulness and mercy. I just want the beauty and glory. I just want Jesus. She never departed from the temple but served God with fasting and prayer. Do you know what fasting and prayer is? We all say, well, yeah, fasting is like a good thing to do to like get God's attention. Just try not to eat for a long time. <laughs> fasting is not that. We see the Pharisees use fasting and God kind of condemns it because they missed Jesus. We see in the Old Testament, Isaiah condemned fasting because a bunch of people were trying to fast to just get God's attention. And he's like, why don't you stop ripping your clothes and start ripping your hearts and actually start just living for me and living with me and in me. So there's nothing special about prayer and fasting because the Pharisees prayed more than anybody and they fasted more than anybody and they prayed on the street corners with great ordeals so people would see them. It has nothing to do with these things. If you see these as rituals, you're gonna miss everything. She hungered for God. 
Fasting is a way to produce in your physical body a yearning in your spirit for the bridegroom, for Jesus. If you're fasting in your prayers, in their end game is not to get closer to Jesus. You're missing everything. And your prayers may go unanswered and your fastings will be for nothing. Because a lot of people fast. I watch their YouTube videos. It's the new cool uh, exercise trend, like intermittent fasting. Cool. It will do nothing for you in, re- in your relationship with God if your heart isn't set to thirst for him and hunger for him and want him. So what does this look like? She just spends time with God. She spends the rest of her life prophesying, saying, God, I want to hear your voice, and then I want to give your voice to your people because they need your voice. And so I'm going to fast and pray all the time. It says day and night. She just stayed there and just like longed for Jesus hungered for Jesus, thirsted for Jesus, all right? So she's devoted to seeking the Lord, to being with him. All she wants is to be with him. And then coming in that instant, she gave thanks, verse 38, to the Lord and spoke of him to all of those who looked for redemption in Israel. When she saw Jesus and God honored her fasting and prayer and her longing, and she got to see, we don't know that she actually saw Jesus. It just says, um, it just says, in coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord. So she must have like known about him or known that Jesus was there or, or saw him or touched him or something. But right in that instant, she was there at the right place at the right time. Who knows? If you're seeking God with all of your heart, you're not going to miss God's providential calling on your life. You're not going to miss it. In that instant, she was at the right place at the right time. I've heard that story a thousand times from people that, that I look up to, especially in the faith. Because so often we're like, God, what is my calling? I've got to find it. God, I've got to find my calling. I've got to find my destiny. I'm kind of lost. I'm kind of confused. And Jesus is like, I am your calling. I am your destiny. You seek me with your whole heart, you're not going to miss the opportunities I have for you. You can't miss the opportunities because the opportunity is me. And I'm going to show up in cool and crazy and bizarre ways in your life. So just seek me with all of your heart. Long for me with all of your soul. You won't miss your calling. Your calling is me. Your calling is intimacy with me. And so she's there at the right time, and it says she spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. She became the first evangelist. The first evangelist. When you long for God, God promises you will see him. For the pure in heart shall see God. Those who seek me will find me if they search with me with their whole heart. Let's go through. There's a thousand promises that God says, you can, you can get to me, but I gotta test your heart. For how long, Lord? 84 years. But Lord, but Lord, it's been two years since I've heard your voice. I didn't show up to Moses until about 81 years. I didn't show up to Joshua until about 80 years. I didn't show up to Anna until about 84 years because I've got to test your heart. I've got to see if you can experience poverty and still want me. I've got to see if you can experience prosperity and still just want me. I've got to see if you can experience religion and just want me. Then I've got to see if you can experience hurt and still want me. I've got to see if you can handle tragedy and still only see me. I've got to test your heart because my whole goal for you is that you would become just like me. And not only just like me, but so intimately entwined with me that people don't know the difference. If they're, if they're talking to, I mean, you, you see it in Paul. 
People start worshiping, and he has to say, no, I'm not Jesus. No, but you are. You have so much power. You have so much authority. You have so much Jesus in you. Yeah, but I'm not Jesus. Imagine if we had to push people away because they think we're Jesus, because we're so intimately in love with him, and he just exudes through every ounce of who we are. Oh, Lord, please. I feel so far away from that but I want it so bad. I want Jesus so much because I want people to see him and meet him and be healed by him and be loved by him the way that he's loved me and healed me and set me free. And I'm willing to wait 84 years to touch the face of God if that's what it takes. So I'm just gonna keep doing what's right. I'm gonna keep a clean heart and a clean conscience before God by his grace. This is not just me doing stuff. It's gonna take all of his Holy Spirit I'm gonna long for him with all that I am. I'm gonna stay diligent in his presence. I'm gonna fast and pray to create a longing because I just can't wait to be with him. I'm gonna long for his appearing. Jesus is coming soon. Amen. Amen to that. But a lot of people were sitting in the temple who missed Jesus. Only two people, only two people encountered him. And Jesus preaches a lot in the New Testament about all these people who are gonna be doing things for me, thinking about me, whatever it is, and then someday they're gonna stand before him and he's gonna say, what? I, I never knew you. And all of these people in the temple missed Jesus, but not Simeon and not Anna. They loved him so desperately for such a long time through such hard stuff. And there's not much about their life, but God honored them and said, man, this is pleasing in my sight. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he can be pleased. And he can show favor to those that he wants to honor. And he can exalt those who are humble and draw near to those who are humble. He wants to do all that stuff in your lives and he wants to do it in my life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so, so much for these two who literally came with you. They followed you. They wanted nothing but you. Through tragedy, through time, through whatever else came in their life, their eyes were fixed on you. Their gaze was intimately in love with you. And Lord, I pray that over our body shine here. I pray that over my own heart, that no matter what comes, we would just want you. We would seek you with our whole heart, that we would find favor in your eyes, God, because our hearts are longing for you. And God forbid, please, when you come, don't let us miss you. Like the virgins who fell asleep and half of them missed you. When they woke up, their oil ran out because they didn't long for you enough. They didn't want you. They gave up. Their faith ran out. They pushed away the Holy Spirit. They said, this isn't worth it anymore. I'm gonna go back to the world and live in for myself. So Lord, I pray you would draw the longing of our hearts into you through your Holy Spirit. We want you, we desperately want you, and where we don't want you, fix our wanter, Lord. Fix our will. Change us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.